Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Natchpute, the beauty comedy podcast where we laugh, we cry, and we cream. Hi, it's your girl, your host, your guy, Jackie J, also known as Beauty Talk, Shock Jock, your queen of creams, house with the most serums, the freshest fringe on the West Coast, your favorite over 30 niche influencer, your kooky southern aunt, and might I also say now, your kooky southern mama. Welcome to Natchpute. This episode will be a departure from the normal episodes, which is where I would interview somebody very entertaining and funny and cool about their self-care, their beauty, their skincare, etc. This is an offshoot. This is a fun special edition episode of Natchfute called Giving Birth with Jackie J. I'm going to just tell everybody my birth story. And it's very intimate. And I'm going to leave nothing out because at this rate, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm just going to be raw. I'm going to be honest. Some things that I say aren't going to be true. They're not going to be fact. They're going to be wild. They're probably going to offend someone. I'm just saying I'm going to just give y'all the exact version of my truth and my experience. And with that, again, I must give warning. This episode's going to be graphic, sweetie, okay? Like, you think I've gone there in the past? I haven't gone anywhere. This is going to be really graphic because I'm going to be discussing childbirth. So let me just go down the list. I'm going to talk about emotions. I'm going to talk about pain, physical pain. I'm going to talk about blood. I'm going to talk about amniotic fluid. I'm going to talk about, obviously, my pussy, my asshole, I'm going to talk about poop. I'm going to talk about throwing up. Oh my God, I'm going to talk about throwing up. I'm going to talk about throwing up and the burning of an esophagus. I'm going to talk about hospitals. I'm going to talk about medication. Just, it's going to be really a lot. Okay. So if that ain't something that is going to be exciting for you, I'm warning you with peace and love at this moment to not listen to the rest of this because the last thing I want to do is upset you. Adding to this, unfortunately, there is some sniffling in this episode. I do weep a few times. I'm going to try to edit out all the sniffles because I know sound effects can be unwanted by some of you with misophonia issues. But there might be some sniffling. There might be a stuffy nose. There might be some mouth noises. Be prepared. If that is a trigger for you, do not listen to the rest of this. But I owe it to my honeys to get the truth, to really reveal the truth. And as a person who has known lots of people who have given birth, I feel as though I haven't ever really, really gotten a true account of the experience until right now. You're getting the truth from Jackie J. 
And let me just say, I've watched birth videos. I've watched them. I've watched The Business of Being Born, the documentary. It straight up shows like seven women giving birth. I've watched birth. but There's nothing like the real thing, baby. Okay, so those are the warnings. I'm going to talk about feelings. It gets dark. Um, just as a little titillating spoiler, it gets dark. Okay, so if you're on the journey, you're on the journey. If you're not, bye. I'll see you next episode. But here we go. We are going to begin. I'm going to talk for as long as I can before my nanny needs to leave. So we'll see how much of this I get through. And I have some notes. And I do have an audio clip of my son being born that I'm going to put in this episode. Like I said, this is personal. And you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. Or you're going to listen to it and go, yep, yep, that's what I expected. So here we go. I'm going to take y'all back in time to June 2022, a few months ago, but how different things were then. I'm taking y'all back to June 3rd. My due date was June 10th. So I was a week and three days out from the due date. And yes, I did discuss this in my last solo episode that due dates are bullshit. They're just an arbitrary date based on the date of your last period. And they don't necessarily mean that that is the day your baby is coming. In fact, God, what is the percentage? It's so low. Like 2% of babies are born on their due date. Something insanely low. So, but, it, but we build it up in our heads. We're so anxious about it. We're ready to have the baby. We're ready to not be pregnant anymore. So when the due date comes, there is a lot of anticipation on that day. So on June 3rd, I see my doctor and she tells me that she's going out of town and that she is actually not going to be in California on my due date. Now, she says this. And I don't react. I just say, oh, okay. Because the way she says it, it sort of sounds like like her grandpa died or something. And I'm like, well, I can't fault her for that. And I will also say that my doctor took me as a transfer. So maybe these books, plans had been on the books for months. And she took me as a client knowing that maybe she wasn't going to be there for my birth. But you also don't know when a baby's coming. So I'm now in retrospect, I'm not upset, but... I calmly say, okay. And she says, I'm going to give you over to a different doctor who happens to be a man. Now, if anybody knows anything about me, you know that I don't really trust men. And my entire fleet of doctors is all women other than my endocrinologist, who is the only male I trust. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, so not only is my doctor who's been seeing me for months and knows my birth plan and knows what I want to do and knows my body and knows everything, isn't going to be in town, but now there's going to be a man, right? So she tried to do a cervical check on me. And she couldn't get there. So I think once you hit around 37, 38 weeks, your doctors, if you'd like, can do cervical checks on you, which is where they glove up, stick their hand up there, and they can feel what's going on. The last time she did one on me, I was only one centimeter dilated. You're supposed to be 10 centimeters when the baby is ready to come out. So pretty standard around this time period. And the baby was at negative two station, which means he's low, but he ain't ready to come out yet, you know. And I'll say this, the nurse, I was having diarrhea and the nurse was like, oh, your baby's coming, your baby's coming. Everybody was telling me that he wasn't going to be late or if he was going to be late, he was going to only be a couple days late. Everyone was saying, I don't anticipate you going to 41, 42 weeks, which happens to a lot of first time pregnant people. So anyway, I 
calmly exit and walk outside and I start sobbing as soon as I get outside and I call my doula Bridget and I say, she's going out of town. What am I going to do? I can't deliver with a man. And Bridget tells me, it's okay. You have every right to be upset. This is pretty standard. Doctors go out of town at summertime. She's probably had this on the books for months. And trust me, once the baby's ready to come out, you're not going to care. Those are her exact words. You're not going to care who's down there in your pussy. You're not going to care. She said, that doctor is really gentle, really sweet, a very calm, soothing man. He's not like an alpha male. So maybe you meet him your next appointment on your due date and see what you think. So that made me feel a lot better. This was also the day that I made Ben drive to buy me, quote unquote, the salad. There's this restaurant in L.A. that has a famous salad that says if you eat it, you go into labor. And it's basically a Trader Joe's bagged salad that they charge $18 for. It was walnuts, a raspberry vinaigrette on romaine. It was nothing. And it didn't make me go into labor. So just everyone listening, if you live in LA, don't buy the damn salad. The next day was June 4th. I went to the Credo Expo and it was really fun. I was super pregnant and I got to talk to a bunch of skincare brands and waddle around and it was really fun. There was one point where I thought I was going to labor, but now looking back when I really know what labor was like, it's very silly that I thought I was going to labor. It was actually just lightning pain. Anyone who's been pregnant knows if you've had the lightning pain. It's just this really sharp nerve pain that like shoots down your pussy and your leg and your inner thigh. And I was like, is this labor? Because it, it seemed like they were kind of going in patterns. But it wasn't labor. On June 5th, which I believe was a Sunday, Ben went to play baseball with his recreational baseball team. And I put on my birth playlist that I made. This is a tip for everybody out there. Make a birth playlist, but also make a labor playlist. I didn't do this. I made one playlist, and I really should have made a playlist for pushing the baby out and then a playlist for laboring. I didn't do that. Don't make my mistake. I made one playlist, and these songs were all pretty mellow. They were sort of my like zen mode, listening to songs, getting ready to push the baby out playlist. And I listened to it. And I got so emotional. I was in my house. I had it playing on my TV. And I remember holding Chooch and just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. And at the end of the pregnancy, honey, those hormones are flying. And I was just super hormonal. And I held Choochie. And I don't remember what song specifically, but I just wept with gratitude and joy because I said, wow, look at how beautiful and full of life, full of love my life is. I hope I never take this for granted. And in that moment, I surrendered to Sandy, my son, my, my son that wasn't born yet. I said, you know what? When you're ready, you're going to come. And I'm not going to get upset anymore. I'm not going to be anxious about when you're going to come. I'm going to just relax and I'm going to just let you show up when you want to show up and not be stressed and not worry and all of that. I guess this is a good time to let you know what my birth plan was. This is what my birth plan was initially. The three absolute musts that I wanted was, number one, I wanted to go into labor naturally, meaning I did not want to be induced. There are pluses to being induced. Obviously, scheduling and knowing that you're about to go into labor, what an amazing relief that would be. 
but I really wanted to go into labor naturally exactly when my body and my child wanted to be here. That was extremely important to me. I did not want to be induced. Number two was I wanted a vaginal birth. Once again, there are pluses and minuses to a cesarean or a vaginal birth. I wanted absolutely a vaginal birth. And third thing was I did not want my pussy to tear, which y'all all know if you listened to my previous episode about being pregnant. And there are reasons for all three of these things. And I don't really want to get into all of it. And I just want to say that if you want to be induced and you want a C-section or you had a C-section and you didn't initially want one, these babies are extremely unpredictable and birth is insane. And you just have to go with the flow at a certain point and whatever happens, happens. And I was mentally prepared for that. In the class I took, the Carson Meyer class I told you all about, she walks you through what a C-section looks like, what an emergency C-section looks like, things to look out for, things to say, things to do. She walks you through because she wants you to know all the options in case something happens. And I knew that if it happens, it happens. Obviously, I'll be fine. But that's what I wanted, right? I wanted those three things. Now, secondary, what I initially thought I wanted was I wanted to attempt an unmedicated birth, meaning I did not want to have an epidural. And I wanted to stay at home and labor here as long as possible. Basically, go to the hospital when the baby's fallen out of me and shove it out, right? That was that was what I had initially envisioned for myself. And again, there are lots of reasons for that. I was honestly terrified of medical intervention. I have barely, knock on wood, very lucky, have barely spent any time in a hospital. I have never had an operation before. And I'm also one of those people that would rather stay at home and not go to the doctor and treat myself or suffer, right? So I did not want medical interventions in my birth unless they were absolutely necessary, which, so that's, that was the plan I had. Okay. June 6th, I had a meltdown at the Apple store. I had a meltdown at the Apple store on June 6th. And on June 6th, I was sobbing and telling Ben that I want to play the Sims again. And that I know that once I have the baby, I'm going to have a lot of downtime. The baby will be asleep on me. I'll be feeding the baby and he'll be on my body and I want something to do. And he said, here is my Chase Sapphire. Go buy yourself an iPad, which I appreciate because my iPad is very old. I have an iPad too and it barely works. And I went to the Apple store in Pasadena and they don't have any iPads. They don't have any. They, the only one they had was the like $950 one. And I wanted the $300 one. And so I cried. I sobbed. I was just like, why is retail so bad? Why is the retail experience so bad? Why are there supply chain issues? I just want my iPad. And then I asked them if they could give me money for my iPad too. And they said, no, it's so old that it's not worth anything, we can throw it out for you. And I was just like, I can't handle this. So I left. I went home. And then I got home and I folded laundry and I listened to my Brooke playlist and sobbed with Chooch again. And I was sobbing because I just, this little baby inside my body, I already just loved him so much. And I was just so excited to meet him and be his mommy. And I remember that moment. And then I watched Stranger Things because obviously I'm up on my shit. June 7th, I was up all night. I got no sleep because I drank a boba tea after the Apple Store meltdown and that was a bad choice. June 8th, Ben and I went downtown and swam and I went to go see Kooky Dr. Shapiro. Now, Dr. Shapiro is one of the many characters in my birth story and he is a male. 
He has an office in Pasadena, a chiropractic office, and his specialty is treating pregnant women. And I found out about this and went to visit him. And he is one of the most delightful people that I've ever met. Every single person in his office is a pregnant lady. It's just a parade going in and out. And he treated me for months. And he's famous for predicting when you're going to go into labor. He's actually had women go into labor on his table as well. I was sitting next to a woman in labor a few days before. And she was so calm and chill and really... Obviously, she did some major hypnobirth training. I mean, you wouldn't even know she was in labor. She was just like, ow, you know. Dr. Shapiro said, you're not going to make it past the weekend. That was his prediction on June 8th. My due date, June 10th, which is a Friday. He said, you're not going to make it past the weekend. You're ready. I can tell. Your hips are open. The baby's coming, right? June 9th, day before my due date. I'm up all night crying. I'm crampy. I'm nauseous. I had a horrible headache. And I end up going to see the new doctor that is replacing my doctor because she's out of town. And he's nice. He's a very sweet, gentle man. He loves Disney. He has like a goofy, the character goofy, those little surgeon hats. You know, he's wearing that. And I ask him to put the glove on and stick it up me and see what's going on. And he says, I'm two centimeters dilated. Okay. Great. Then I go out to eat with my friend Emily, who I met in my Carson Meyer class, and I meet her in town. We both drive into town, into L.A. proper, and we have dinner, and I have this horrible headache. And I think the headache is because I drank the tea, honestly. I'm very sensitive to caffeine, and I just don't think I should have drank that boba tea. But anyway, so as I'm driving back into my garage, I back my car, which I've only had a few months, my Subaru, I back it too far into the garage and I hit the window and back windshield and break the fucking window of the back of the car into the garage. And I just, I'm like, mother fucker. And I get out and luckily it was just the glass. I didn't like fuck up the whole back of the car. So that was annoying, right? Next day is June 10th. Now we have Ben's car. He gets in his car to go drive down the street and his tire goes flat. So all these crazy chaotic things are happening. Lauren Lapkus comes over with her daughter. She brings me donuts on my due date. We made pineapple margaritas for the night because my sister said that when she went into labor the night before, she drank a margarita. And I said, okay, fine. I don't really drink. But I said, I said, I want pineapple margaritas. Ben bought all the stuff. He made pineapple margaritas. We sat there and drank them, right? Then... The fucking power goes out in our house. One whole half of our house, all the outlets don't work. And I'm like, why are all these kooky things happening? So the next morning on June 11th, our handyman comes. He fixes the power. My car gets a new back windshield. Ben's car gets the tire fixed. I basically stay in bed all day. But I will say, and this is, again, this is personal, but I'm going to share it because obviously I'm going to tell you all the whole story. We have sex and Ben, (laughs) my mucus plug comes out. Now, again, this is a pregnancy thing, but basically, and I haven't looked this up, so I can't tell you exactly what it is, but I want to say it's in your cervix and it's blocking it. And it's like a big mucusy ball of snot. And as soon as it comes out, it's a sign that labor could be coming soon. 
However, I know people who lost their mucus plug weeks before they went into labor. So it's not necessarily a sign, but I did lose a giant slimy ball of snot from my pussy on this day. And I thought that was exciting because I thought maybe, maybe, maybe the baby's coming soon. And then also on this day, Pottery Barn dropped off my chair for my nursery. And they drop it off and they leave. And then a few minutes later, I'm like, oh, I should sit in this chair. I sit in the chair. It's broken. So when you sit in it, it like makes a grinding sound. And I'm like, oh, motherfucker. June 12th is a Sunday. Ben goes to play baseball because it might be his last game, right? So I let him go to the game. I'm listening to the birth playlist again. I'm making breakfast tacos with Chuchi. I dance with Chooch and cry. I honestly feel like shit. I mean... I am so tired and sick and crampy and I just am miserable. I go in my baby's nursery and I sit in my broken friggin' Pottery Barn glider chair and I'm just sitting there and kind of assessing the room. I'm putting away things, getting the room ready for the baby and I think I have to pee and I stand up and all of a sudden a huge river of water gushes out of my pussy. This is what you call the water breaking, honey. This was at 4 p.m. And I start screaming, Ben, Ben, Ben. He runs in the room. I'm laughing my ass off. I have my hand cupping. My hand is full of water. There's water everywhere. And it doesn't hurt. I'm in no pain. I'm like, oh, my God, my water broke like in the movies. And I'm laughing. I'm like, oh, my God, okay. That that means that. I'm going to go into labor any minute, right? Like, this is the, this is it. About an hour later, the baby starts kicking me, and I'm just in the happiest moment of my life. I'm so happy. I'm timing my baby kicks, thinking like, oh, here we go. Labor's coming, honey. I'm putting on my gentle birth app, listening to my meditations, and I'm crying. The meditations are so beautiful. And there was one that talks about She's like, you're in the ocean. You and your baby are in the ocean and you're looking at coral. And she says, you come up to the sandy shore and my baby's name is Sandy, which at this moment he's not born yet, but we had this name picked out for a long time. So I knew that was his name. So when she said the sandy shore, I'm like sobbing. It's beautiful. I have here a log of all the kicks and the different times he kicked. And I was just like, oh, he's coming, you know, whatever. Now I called my doula Bridget. And again, one of the characters of the story. And I'm like, Bridget, my water broke. And she's like, okay, we'll sit back. And I'm like, doesn't this mean the baby's coming? And she's like, yeah, but it could be a couple days. Don't get your hopes up kind of thing. And she says it's okay. Typically, you are supposed to go to the hospital as soon as your water breaks. But I know that it's really okay for you to stay at home for a good 24 hours, right? So I stay home. She says, go to sleep, try to get some rest, kick it back, whatever. And she said, yeah, so I get nachos from one of my favorite vegan places. I take a shower. Ben played piano for me. June 13th rolls around the next day. I don't sleep at all, right? I'm not in any pain. I'm just so anxious. And I'm like, and I think the baby was kicking me a lot and I didn't feel great. But I'm just like, oh, when is this labor going to start? When is this fucking labor going to start? When? So anxious. 
And once your water breaks, it just keeps coming out because you replenish it while you drink water and things. So I'm still gushing. My doula said put a pad on. I'm just sitting there with a damn pad on waiting. I will also say that the gush that happened to me is extremely rare. The movies and TV make it look like that's what normally happens. But I'm sure a lot of the pregnant people listening or people who have had babies are like, yep. That didn't happen to me. That's not really how it works. Most of the time you get like a little leak and you just kind of trickle out or you go into labor and they have to break your water at the hospital. It doesn't even break on its own. It's very rare that a a person has the experience I had, which is like the big gush of water. But at the time I didn't really realize that. And I'm watching all these YouTubes like, oh, my water broke. I'm not in labor yet. Whatever. I get out of bed at 6 a.m., which is extremely early for me, right? And I take Chuchi out and then her and I go and lay in the guest room and we're just laying in the bed. Around seven, I start feeling weird. I start feeling weird. I have cramps. I'm farting a lot. And then at 730, because I was looking at my phone, it's 730 on the dot in the morning. It's like a switch went off in my body and I swear I heard a click like it was a switch. I heard a click. I was in labor. Okay. I was in fucking labor. And I could tell, honey, let me tell you something. You'll know. I was like, am I even going to know if I'm in it? Honey, you know. Okay. I knew. And it's interesting because you can feel the pain turn off, which are the contractions in between the contractions. So I start having diarrhea immediately. I diarrhea more than I've ever diarrhea in my life. I die like the scene from Dumb and Dumber. I diarrhea, honey. I clear out my whole body of everything. Diarrhea, diarrhea. Di- I mean, hor- and I called Bridget and I say, okay, I'm in labor now, honey. I'm in labor now. And she's like, okay. So according to your birth plan, you want to labor at home? She's like, I'm about to walk into my therapy appointment. So let me know when you're like in active labor, which means your contractions are a lot closer together. And she's like, I'll come over and I'll guide you. But until you're in a couple minutes apart territory, try to relax, all this stuff. I have this thing called a TENS unit, which is an electrode device that you put on yourself with little sensors and you can turn it on and it buzzes. And it's a way to distract you from pain that Bridget recommended to me. I put that on. I'm listening to my gentle birth app. I'm listening to my playlist and my playlist is so special to me. It's songs that mean something to me in a certain way that maybe no one else will understand. They're the songs that absolutely make me so happy, but then there are songs that just have a random meaning or a random dedication to somebody or an event or a time in my life. And I remember just listening to these songs and had my AirPods in and I was standing up and swaying and just really trying to enjoy this wacky moment of my life. But let me tell you something. It got real painful real fast. Okay. One of the songs on my labor playlist is this magic moment, this magic moment, so different and so new. I was like, Fuck this magic moment. <laughs> I remember that, that song came on. I was like, this isn't a fucking magic moment. This is horrible. I was trying to time these contractions, but it really felt like they were not stopping. It was so intense. And I feel like I labored for maybe f- four hours. Maybe not even four hours. 
I felt like my labor was progressing extremely quickly. And my sister, her first baby came in four hours. And my mom, apparently, labor was extremely fast for her, too. So I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm already in active labor. This baby is going to come out because I was in such pain. And it felt like the contractions were not stopping. So I was like, I got to go to the hospital. I couldn't handle it anymore. So I had told Ben already. I said, if I tell you I want to go to the hospital, you need to really make sure. Because I want to stay home as long as I can to avoid medical intervention. So... If I tell you I want to go, you have to really make sure I want to go. Maybe ask me a few times, whatever. So he comes in the room, and I'm a different person at this point. I'm not myself anymore. And I say, I need to go. I need to go take me to the hospital right now. And he's like, are you sure? Because you told me. And I go, take me. Take me to the hospital. Take me right now. And he could tell that I wasn't fucking around. So we get in the car, and we go to the hospital. Luckily, we only live like nine minutes from the hospital. We don't even have to get on the highway or anything. We get to the hospital, and I'm in the worst pain that I could ever even imagine, and I could never describe it to you fully because you won't understand it. If you've been in labor, then you understand it most likely, but if you haven't, you don't know what I'm talking about. I never imagined a pain like this. I was like, how bad could it possibly be? It was, I'll never recover. I will never recover from that pain. I will never be the same person again because of the pain this was. It was horrific. I get to the hospital. We pull up. There's a woman being wheeled out with her tiny little baby. I say, congrats. I'm giant. They all know why I'm there. I'm not there for a damn broken finger, you know? So, I get in there. I'm like, hi, I'm, I'm having a baby. I need an epidural. I need an epidural. I need an epidural. And they're like, okay, well, there's a lot of things we have to do first. We have to COVID test, okay? They COVID test me. I'm negative. They're like, okay, we can't admit you if you're not a certain amount centimeters dilated or whatever. So they bring in a woman and she shoves her hand up me. And it hurts so bad, y'all. I mean, I'm in misery. And I'm staring up at the ceiling. And she pulls her hand out. And she's like, okay, it feels like you're fully dilated to me. And the baby's at zero station, which is like the baby's coming. And Ben and I look at each other and we're like, oh my God, I cannot believe that I'm about to have a baby that fast. And she's like, but I got to make sure because I'm not positive. So she leaves and another lady comes in. And I think this woman was a nurse and the woman who comes in is a doctor. She gloves up. She shoves her hand in me and she's like, you're two centimeters dilated. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because to me, it felt like the contractions were not stopping. They were constant. They were on top of each other. Then I start throwing up from pain. And the only thing I had eaten was when I started going to labor, Ben made me a protein shake. And I drank like, I don't know, a quarter of it before I was like, I'm so, I'm in such pain. We have to go to the hospital. So I start throwing up from pain. I throw up probably three or four times from pain, right? And I'm just like throwing up, throwing up, throwing up. They're giving me that little baggy thing. I'm throwing up. And I'm like, how am I only two centimeters, but I'm in such pain. And the doctor goes, well, you have no padding because your water broke. So you're feeling everything completely fully. And then they kind of get mad at me that I didn't come in. They're like, why didn't you come in when your water broke? You should have come in because you can get an infection. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm sorry. I was trying to do kind of the natural thing. And they were like, well, you're here for an epidural. So that didn't really work out, did it? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Give me the damn epidural. So they COVID test me. They check me. 
they have to make sure my water actually broke. If it didn't, then they can't admit me. So they swab me, and then they see that, yes, there is amniotic fluid. Yes, my water did break. And then the third thing is they have to make sure that the baby is head down so that they can admit me. Because if it's breach, then they have to give me a C-section, and then they would have to prep me for OR. So they check on the monitor. They do the little sonogram, and they see, yes, the baby is head down. Okay. So they take me up to the labor and delivery room. It's a beautiful room. Ben is like, Bridget's on her way, my doula, (laughs) because she thought I was going to call her like in a day, you know? So she was pretty shocked that I bailed so early on my plan, but I can't tell you this pain. While I was in this room waiting for the epidural, the anesthesiologist was very busy. He had a lot of people he was helping out that day. So I had to wait, right? I had to wait. I was pleading with God to end my life. (laughs) That's how much pain I was in. I said, hey, please take everything from me. Take my house. Take my clothes. Take my life. Take my money. Empty my bank account to zero. Leave me on the street naked. If I can go back in time and not get pregnant. I was literally saying that in my head. I was like, please, if somebody's there. Please, you have a deal. You have a deal. I will give you my Bank of America card right now. I will give you my account number. Take me out of this situation. That's how horrific this was. Now, I'm looking back on it, and I can't feel that pain anymore, but I'm a petty Scorpio, and I told you I would tell you all the truth. It was horrific. It was horrific. Now, I will say I did not have a normal, quote-unquote, birth, and we'll get to that later. Number one, I didn't have any padding, but number two... My baby was sunny side up. My baby was in a very painful, difficult position. And I didn't know that at the time. But basically my baby's head was like shoved up against my back and the back labor was insane. I was laboring front and back. I was having cramps in the front, but then I was having this back pain that again, that's what was really the sticker. I can't even tell you all the pain. It was so bad. So the anesthesiologist comes in and I've never had an epidural before. The woman who was in there with me, the nurse was like, okay, breathe, lay back, you know, whatever. He gets the epidural in me and then I go, that didn't do anything. I feel it. I did nothing. That did nothing. So they make him come back, take it out and put it back in again in a different position. And when he does, honey, let me tell you something. It was the best moment of my life. It was the best moment of my life, okay? I cried and I grabbed his hand and I said, you are an angel. And he said, thank you. And I said, you do such important work. And I hope your parents are proud of you. And I hope every day that the gratitude that people have for your work. And so I just want to say shout out to the anesthesiologists out there. Honestly, shout out to all medical professionals because you do such important work for people when they are in such a vulnerable, difficult state. And I'll talk more about the nurses and the doctors and everybody later, but just know the gratitude I feel and I have such respect for your work if you work in the medical field uh, off the chart, especially after this experience. Oh, yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. 
What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, so let's dive back in, shall we? So where are we? I just got my epidural. And my baby is in the what is called OP position, which stands for occiput posterior. That means that your baby's head is down, but it is facing my front instead of my back. This means that the largest part of the baby's head is not in the correct position. So it will be more difficult and more painful for the baby's head to get through your pelvis. Now, because I was screaming about how much it hurt and how much my back was hurting and how it didn't feel like the contractions were ever stopping, I didn't have a break, my doula started to suspect that this is the case. She told Ben this, but they didn't share it with me because they didn't want to scare me because they knew that if they told me that, it would freak me the fuck out and I would panic and worry because that's who I am. Let me read you a little bit about the posterior baby position. It means that the baby, his back is spine to spine with the mother's. Bridget said it was as if Sandy was using my spine as a hammock. And I'm assuming maybe the doctors didn't know either because they didn't do anything to attempt to turn him. But I remember Ben told me this afterwards. He Googled OP baby and OP baby risks. And the first thing that comes up when you do that is this type of birth has an increase of short and long-term complications such as abnormally prolonged labor, maternal and fetal exhaustion, instrumental delivery, meaning they need to use forceps or the vacuum to get the baby out, emergency C-section, and severe perennial tears okay so that's what I was dealing with unbeknownst to me the epidural hit and it was the best moment of my life I was a little drugged up and high I was doing Bill Clinton impressions I was making everybody laugh the nurses were literally crying laughing the nurse that was in the room with me when I got my epidural she was like hi nice to meet you you weren't here earlier that was a different person and I was laughing and I was like oh yeah honey look at me now like I was a little high and enjoying myself and I was saying oh my god why would nobody get this epidural this is literally the best choice fuck on Medicaid births what was I thinking this is the way to do it right I was loopy and feeling good and a few hours went by My doctor arrived. She was not on vacation. She came back. She arrived back just in time for my birth. And I was so happy to see her. I was like drugged up and like talking to her and whatever. Bridget puts a peanut ball in between my legs. And she says, you're going to be in labor a while. I'm going to go get a soda, do some errands, whatever. Because she knew this was going to be a long process. Because labor is crazy and you really don't know what's going to happen. Basically, there's a huge difference between pain and suffering, right? There's really no such thing as a birth with no pain because you have to still be able to feel something in order to push your baby out. They don't numb you completely. 
I was suffering, which is why I decided to take the epidural. If you're super stressed out in horrific pain, you're not going to dilate further because your body is in fight or flight mode, right? So if you get the epidural, you could very well relax and finally start to dilate, which is what you need. However, epidurals can slow down the natural progression of your cervix. So we knew it might be a while. So they put the peanut ball between my legs. I'm high as a damn kite. The anesthesiologist gave me the little button to press and he said, don't be shy. If you want to press the button and get more pain relief every 30 minutes, you can press this and get more pain relief. And I literally was like, oh, buddy, don't worry about me. I'm going to hit this button like it's my damn job. Like I'm flow working at the button factory, honey. Okay. So I'm laying on my side. I have a peanut ball between my legs. I'm high as a damn kite. I don't feel anything. I'm like, okay, we're rocking and rolling now. I say, Ben, get my snacks out. Because I did pack snacks. I was told they don't let you eat in the hospital when you're in labor because they might have to do a, an emergency C-section surgery on you and therefore they need your stomach to be empty. At this moment, I hadn't eaten in like a long time and I was hungry. So I packed some things. I packed some Trader Joe's snacks. The first thing I have been pull out for me is the dehydrated strawberries. I eat one of these and my acid reflux is at a 20. It is at an all-time high. My throat is burning. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I can't eat. I'm in such pain. This goddamn acid reflux has reared its ugly head again. And I didn't have my medication. I take a, a nightly pill for it. And I don't have it in the hospital with me. So this is around the time I start begging for some anti-acid medication and I barely get it. They give me this little drink shot that numbs your throat. It did nothing. They finally call me in some friggin' crappy over-the-counter low-dose pill that does nothing. I think they gave me a 20-milligram Pepsid. It did nothing. So from here on, for the rest of my labor, my throat was completely on fire, and I couldn't eat anything. And I was also so miserable that I couldn't sleep because of the pain. This is how bad my acid reflux was, okay? So now I'm dealing with the acid reflux, even though I'm not feeling the pain of my labor. I lay on my side for a few minutes, or a few hours. I get maybe a little sleep in and out. Dr. B comes back in, and she tells me I'm seven centimeters dilated. This is at about 10 o'clock at night, and we're all excited. We're like, okay, 10 o'clock at night? Great. Maybe I'll be 10 centimeters in a couple hours. I'm miserable, my acid reflux. This is also around the time that I start having really bad back pain again. Like, such bad back pain that I couldn't sleep. I was absolutely miserable. And I asked them if I can have the anesthesiologist come back and, like, up my shit. I'm like, I what is going on with my back? Now, I thought that my back was hurting because I was in bed. And once you get an epidural, you can't get up anymore because you're numbed, right? You're numbed from the waist down, essentially. And I was like, oh, this bed is hurting my back. I can't get comfortable. I would have nurses come in. They would move me to my side. They would move me to the other side. I kept being like, I'm so sorry to call you back, but my back is in such pain. They would put a pillow here, put a, you know, it just wasn't working. And I was like, something's wrong. My fucking back. I'm in such miserable pain and it's constant. It doesn't feel like contractions, whatever. Now, it turns out the pain was because my baby was on my spine but again, we didn't know that for sure. I just thought it was my bed 
Bridget and Ben kind of were like, it's the baby's head. The baby's spine is on Jackie's spine. That's why she's a But they didn't tell me that. So then the anesthesiologist comes back and I ask if they can give me more or whatever. This is a different anesthesiologist. This was a, a very nice looking older man. And you know me, I'm cutting it up. Everybody that comes in the room, I'm interviewing. I interview the nurses. I interview the janitors, everybody, because I have to just get to know everybody. So I remember one nurse specifically was a, a traveling nurse, which means they take jobs for a few months at a time and then they move on to somewhere else. And she had been in the business for 40 years, really cool lady. And I said, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen on a pussy? And she was like, I delivered a baby to a woman who had checkered black and white pussy hair. And I was like, wow, checkered black and white pussy hair. And I said, I'm going to guess where this person was. And I guessed Portland. And she said, Seattle. So there you go. Maybe it was a honey. If you're listening and you had black and white checkered pussy hair, I had to pry it out of her. So don't think she was being unprofessional. But I found that interesting and I made a note of it to make sure I shared that with y'all. So the new anesthesiologist comes in, the one who is on shift now, an older gentleman. He's super nice, super calming. And he had on an LA Pride bracelet. And I caught notice of it. So Pride weekend, this is June, Pride weekend in LA had just happened that weekend. This is now a, I'd say early Tuesday, like a 1 a.m. Tuesday, something like that. And I said, oh, did you go to Pride? And he goes, oh yeah, my daughter's band played. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. And we were like chatting about his daughter and how she's in a band and she plays guitar. And Ben goes, what's the name of her band? And he said, Muna. And I look at this guy and I was like, uh, Silk Chiffon? And he's like, yeah. If y'all don't know the song Silk Chiffon, look it up. It is a beautiful song. And I started to cry. And yes, I was a little high, but I said to this man, this song is so important to the world. It's a queer love song. And there are so few of those out there that use pronouns, female voice singing about another female. I was like, your daughter and her band are doing such important work and they're such talented, beautiful songwriters and musicians. And I said to him, it's on my birth playlist. I said, you very well could hear it while you're in the room. And the reason I put that song on my birth playlist is because it's such a beautiful, happy, pure love song. And the lyrics say, Silk Chiffon, that's how it feels when she's on me. And I'm finding, as a mother, so many love songs can also be about the love you feel for family, can feel for your children, for your friends. They don't have to be about romantic love. And that lyric, it reminded me of a moment that I've been waiting for for so long, which is the moment of when my baby comes out of my body and they lay them on you. And I was like, that's how it feels when he's on me. You know, like, and I'm like crying, telling it to this man. And he's like, oh, that's, oh, that's cool. <laughs> you know, like he didn't get all emotional or anything, but I just said to him, like, your daughter's doing such important work. So shout out to Muna. And shout out to my anesthesiologist who her dad is an anesthesiologist in Pasadena. I don't know if she talks about that, but 
that's the way it goes. So I had a beautiful moment with the anesthesiologist. And at this point, I was miserable, absolutely miserable. And I was literally just staring at that button for the epidural. And every time it lit up, I would press it. Like every 30 minutes on the dot, I wouldn't let a second extra go by. I was like, I need this pain relief. I need this pain relief. And it wasn't doing anything. And I kept being like, what's wrong? Why is this not working? What's wrong? This bed is hurting my back. Like I didn't know, but it was because my baby was shoved in my fucking spine, but I didn't know. So they come back and check me a few hours later and I'm still only seven centimeters. So hours and hours have gone by. I haven't progressed any. So they say to me, okay, we have to put Pitocin in you. We have to add Pitocin to your drip. And I start getting really upset because I really, really did not want Pitocin added into my birth. And for those of you who don't know, Pitocin is the artificial form of oxytocin, which is a hormone that you get while you give birth, while you're having a baby. And it is what they call the love hormone. And that's how they actually induce labor is they give you Pitocin. And I really didn't want any in my body, and there are various reasons for that. Again, I really wanted a low-intervention birth, and I didn't want drugs in my body. I had this notion that if I pump my body full of drugs, that it would somehow affect the bond between me and my child. I wanted to be super present for this birth, and this was not part of my plan. And I also need to pause and remind everybody of something. So... When I walked into my hospital, they asked me if I had a birth plan and I didn't have one written up and it actually worked out because we ended up going so far off from what I initially said I wanted. So even if I had one printed up, it would have been thrown out, but this is something you can do. You can go online and type in birth plan template and you can find them. This is also something that I did in the Carson Meyer class. She works really closely with us to help us formulate your exact birth plan that you want and how to articulate it on paper in order to have it with you. They straight up asked me for one and I didn't have it. I, but I did have in huge letters on a piece of paper taped to the front of my bag so that I wouldn't forget and that everyone would see it. I am allergic to opioids and I listed the ones I'm allergic to. And this is because I have an opioid allergy that has affected me my entire life. The first time we figured it out is when I broke my arm when I was eight and they gave me codeine and I threw up and convulsed and it was like a horrible thing. So I knew from that and my mother is also allergic and so is my sister, which is why both of them did not have epidurals when they had their babies. And another reason why I was scared of getting one. So I had to make sure when the anesthesiologist came in the room that he knew not to give me any of the drugs on my paper and actually came in huge handy because I'm losing it. I can barely stand up. I can barely breathe because I'm in such pain. Yet they saw that big giant sign and knew not to give me those drugs. And I watched like four or five different people working at the hospital, acknowledge it, write it down and double check with me about it. And it was great because he gave me something else that wasn't an opioid and it worked enough and helped me relieve my pain. So If you're allergic to anything or there's anything specific that you want them to know, I also put on it that I'm O negative blood because if you have negative blood and your partner has positive blood, the baby can be born with positive blood and you have negative blood and the blood can attack the other blood. So you have to take these shots in order to create antibodies. And so I had it on a huge piece of paper. I am O negative blood (laughs) so that they knew to give me that shot for the antibodies in case there was any cross bleeding during the birth process. I wanted to make sure the baby was safe, et cetera. So 
put a big piece of paper on your luggage of the hospital that has anything pertinent about your health that you want everyone to know. It ended up saving my ass. So side note, please do that. So they tell me they need to put some Pitocin in me in order to get me from seven to 10 centimeters. And I was so upset. This was not part of my plan. And I'm telling y'all, I hope all of you have a beautiful, magical birth that makes everybody hate you. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's one of the things in the world that you cannot control. Things happen and you have to release and try not to lose it and roll with things and also be extremely informed about what you're being offered and what is going on around you. This is where a doula plays in so importantly. If it wasn't for the fact that I had done my classes and my training and learned all of the medical terms, learned everything, learned about consent, they literally can't do anything to you. If the doctor, unless you tell them that you want it, don't ever let them tell you otherwise. So I could have turned down the Pitocin, but I talked to Bridget. I called her. She was still at home because, again, we had a long ways to go. And I said to her, what should I do? I really didn't want Pitocin. And she was like, how much are they saying you, how much are this the dose? Like they were, we were walking through it. And she was like, listen, it's not a lot. It's only for a little bit of your labor. It's going to speed things along. And meanwhile, they're watching the heart rate of the baby. I'm so grateful and lucky that he was staying strong the whole time. Because this is something that happens a lot of times in hospital births and inductions and things is that that baby's heart rate starts to go down and they're like, we have to get him out. We have to get him out. And I did not want a C-section, right? And they were being really wonderful and letting me chill and trying to let me go into labor on my own and get the baby out of my vagina, you know? So Bridget was like, I think it's a good idea. And I said, okay. So they gave me the Pitocin. This is also around the time I started to have a fever and the fever got pretty high. I want to say it got to like 104, like it was getting high. And I was like, they're going to cut him out. They're going to cut him out. They're not going to let me deliver. I know it because the reason I was getting a fever, most likely now we think it was just because of the epidural and the stress and everything, but it could have been from an internal infection because it had been so long since my water broke. Because remember, my water broke way before I went to the hospital and if there's an infection, the, that means it could be on the baby, which means they need to get him out, treat him, everything else. So once I got that fever, I was like, oh, shit, they're going to make me do a C-section any minute now. And I started really mentally preparing myself for that. And again, in the class I took with Carson Meyer, there was a whole day where we talked about C-sections and what happens when you get one and things. So I felt prepared if one did happen that I would know what was going on. I would be informed of everything. I knew what to do. Ben knew what to do in case there was one, like all those things. But I started mentally being like, okay, shit, I might have to have a fucking C-section. I might. But Bridget was like, it's no big deal. They're going to give you some Tylenol. They might put some ice packs on you. It's not a big deal. Don't even worry about it. And I was like, okay. So they did. They gave me Tylenol. They put ice packs on me and it ended up not being a big deal. I'm up all night because I'm in such pain. Now it's my throat and my back. I don't sleep at all. I also haven't had anything to eat since Ben made me that protein smoothie at like 8 a.m. on Monday. And we're now at a, almost 8 a.m. on Tuesday. So it's been almost 24 hours. It's about 7 a.m. on Tuesday, June 20th. 
on Tuesday, June 14th. I'm up all fucking night. I'm miserable. I'm exhausted. I've been awake for over 24 hours. I haven't had food in 24 hours. And they say, guess what? You're 10 centimeters. You can start pushing. We need to get the baby out. And I'm like, after all this, I'm exhausted. I'm starving. And now I have to give birth. Now I have to go push a fucking baby out. And I'm just like, in my head, I was thinking, how the fuck am I going to do this? How the fuck am I going to do this? I don't know. But I was really hoping that he would just shoot out. I was thinking of all my friends who told me their stories of, I pushed three times and my baby was out. I was thinking, okay, we're just going to get him out. So we turned the playlist on. I'm in bed. My legs are spread. Bridget is on one side. Ben is with her. There's a nurse helping me push and I push for 30 minutes or so. And then the nurses have to switch because it's now the morning shift. So the night nurses leave, the morning crew comes in in the middle of my fucking birth. They switch changing of the guards. Everybody basically leaves and comes back in. They also told me that they're going to need a NICU team in the room when the baby comes out to make sure he's okay because of my fever. So they're not in the room yet, but eventually it was like a damn party in there. And Bridget was right. I didn't give a fuck who was in there looking at my pussy. I literally could not care less. So we push and we push and we push and we push. If you remember when I read you earlier what happens when the baby is sunny side up, it takes a very long time to clear your pelvis. So it took us three and a half hours to get him out. I was so tired that I was basically falling asleep in between contractions. And you have about 30 seconds in between them. So I was exhausted. And this is something that I somehow, out of all my classes, all my books, didn't really fully get. And so I hope this is helpful to my honeys that give birth someday. When you give birth, you're pushing as if you're shitting. And that's something nobody explicitly said. You're basically shitting a baby out. So you push like you're pushing out a turd, which is why so many people shit while they give birth, right? Which, by the way, somebody did ask me if I shit. I'm saving that question for Ben. Just so you know, I'm saving that question for Ben. I remember I Instagrammed something about being afraid of shitting while giving birth. And a bunch of y'all were like, you're going to shit and you're not going to care. You're going to shit and you're not going to care. Let me just tell you that almost every push I asked if I shit throughout. That's how concerned I was about this. And yes, it is not normal. And it was a neurosis of mine. I'm not proud of it, but I'm being honest. I would literally push and go, did I shit? (laughs) So... I also felt it. It was so painful. It was so painful. My back hurt so bad, y'all. Like, I'm sitting here remembering the pain. It hurts so bad. I'm a different person now because I've felt pain that I've never felt before. I'll never be the same person. That's how bad it hurt. 
And that's with an epidural. But again, they don't let you totally numb out because you have to be able to feel when to push. And I could fully feel my contractions. You have to push when you have a contraction. I could fully feel when they were. My back hurt so bad. I had tears streaming down my face. Then I started getting the acid reflux vomit. (laughs) So somebody tweeted at me. Throughout my pregnancy, I was tweeting about my acid reflux and how it was horrible. And some of y'all tweeted at me that you threw up during childbirth because of the acid reflux. Let me tell you something. I had an empty stomach. I barely had water in my body. I had an empty stomach. I was exhausted. I'm literally in labor giving birth and I start throwing up from acid reflux I'm throwing up straight bile that is burning my entire esophagus and throat and mouth every time I throw up. And I throw up, I'm going to say at least nine times. They kept having to give me the bag and pull it away and give me a new bag. So I was missing pushes because I was throwing up, throwing up. I'm thinking back on this and I truly don't know how I survived it. (laughs) Birth is insane and so hard. So we push and push and push. At some point, my doctor comes in. Now, normally, the doctor will come in at the very end, right when it's looking like the baby's almost there. But my doctor came in about halfway through, and she stood there with me the whole time. I'm so impressed with my doctor. She's young. She's younger than me. She's a millennial. My nurse was a millennial. And Bridget, my doula, is also a millennial. So I had an entire millennial women team. And I just was so proud of that. And my doctor was so incredible. She stood there with me. As soon as she came in, I felt a second wind because I knew she was on my team. And she was really encouraging me and coaching me. And I will also say that she was pouring mineral oil down my pussy and rubbing my pussy and like stretching it out and like really being thoughtful. Because it was taking so long, she was really, really trying to help me not tear and protect my pussy because I was so concerned about it. At one point, there were a few medical (laughs) students that came in. And again, you can put on your birth plan that you don't want any medical students to watch. I, at that point, didn't give a fuck. Because if you want to create like a sacred environment for when your baby enters the world and you only want minimal people there, and I totally hear you. And I feel like that's probably what I would have wanted if all of this crazy shit hadn't happened. But at this point, I just said, you know what? If a medical student wants to watch my baby being born, who am I to say no? That's a beautiful experience that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. It's going to teach them to be a better doctor for the future for other mothers. So I said, go ahead and look. (laughs) So this woman, this young woman, was holding my left leg open and she was a medical student. And (laughs) I remember kept, and again, everyone has N95s on, so I can't really see her, but I just kept thinking this woman is going to go home and go to class and tell her whole class that she just delivered this Southern woman's baby. And all she kept talking about was, did I shit? And is my pussy okay? Because I kept asking about it. So three and a half hours, y'all Dr. B told me that normally She said the longest she's ever had is four hours. And that is absolutely the longest they will let you go before they say it's we're giving up and doing a C-section. So I was getting close to that point. And the reason it was so hard, I think, number one, I was exhausted, 
right? And number two, this friggin' baby was not passing through my pelvis, his head, because of his position. I mean, 99% of it was that. And then at one point during the pushing, I have a lot of beautiful moments that I don't ever want to forget, which is why I want to get them out here. So, as I mentioned earlier, my labor playlist, I only had one. If I could go back in time, I would do two playlists. I would do a playlist that was full of just fucking bangers that you really pump you up to get you energized to push, like lose yourself, Beyonce, just like really high tempo pop songs. That that would have been my note because my labor playlist and my push playlist were the same and they had a lot of like mellow songs that meant a lot to me that I would say aren't necessarily conducive to pumping me up and giving me energy. One of the songs on my playlist was, it's called Beautiful Mess by Diamond Rio. And the reason I put it on my playlist is because it's a song that my sister told me about. And she says that it makes her think about her son and when she was a new mom. And again, it's a song about romantic love, but it's a song saying just, my life is a wreck because of my feelings for this person, but I love it. I love that I'm this beautiful mess. And she said that she's like hold him and he would be throwing up and shitting. And she was just like, what a beautiful mess I'm in. So I put it on my playlist as a tribute to my sister and her births and my nephew. And and my OB is from Houston. She actually is high school friends with Kevin T. Porter. Shout out Kevin Porter. She went to high school with Kevin. So she loves comedy. Like she's just the best. And when that song came on, everybody started singing it. My doula, Ben, Dr. B. It's like that everyone knew that song because she's a Houston girl. So she knows Diamond Rio. So she's singing. Starlight by Muse is another song that was on there that came on and everybody was singing along to it. And I just think that is one of the most beautiful songs, truly. And Ben and I played music together. And while I was pregnant, I'd play my electric drum kit and we would play that song and I would play drums and sing to it. And I just was like, Sandy heard this from inside the womb. So every song on my list had a reason. And that song came on. And again, we're all millennials. We all love Muse. That's... But damn, I pushed for so long that we ran through the playlist. It wasn't even long enough. So Spotify started suggesting songs and like putting random songs in. <laughs> and I'd be like, Ben, hit skip. This isn't part of my playlist. <laughs> But it was beautiful. So then at one point, and they were letting me push in all positions. They were in all as many positions as they could with an epidural. I was on my side. I had my legs open. I had my legs closed. I was doggy style, like all these things. At one point, they asked if I wanted to see a mirror. And my sister told me that when she gave birth to her first baby, that they showed her in the mirror. And as soon as she could see it gave her like more intention and she came out a lot faster. So I said, okay, put the mirror. So they put the mirror and I thought they were going to like hand me a little compact, honey. They brought a giant mirror, like mirror, mirror on the wall, giant mirror. And they shoved it right in front of me and they have these giant lights that are just on you. So it's like spotlights on my big old pussy with this big mirror right in my face. And it was quite the sight, quite the sight your pussy is 
10 times bigger than it normally is. And you're looking right at it from a giant damn mirror. And there's a child's head coming out of it. It's quite a sight. So I'm looking at it and I'm kind of not looking at it because it's a lot for me. Like I said, I don't like blood. I don't like (laughs) bodily stuff. It was a lot. But there's a giant mirror spotlights on me pushing, pushing, pushing. Finally, they tell me that he's almost out. And when they do that, the doctor puts on like an extra layer. They, the team gets all around. They start laying down extra mats on the floor. Like it's like a whole thing. And I'm at this point feeling nothing but relief. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so excited because you're just so tired and so exhausted. I'm just like, I can't even fathom the idea that I'm about to be a parent. I'm not even happy because I'm just like, this has been so hard. And so it's like the most overwhelming feeling. And I'm sharing that because I know a lot of other people who have given birth feel the same. And I just want to let you know that that's fine. This is such a hard, hard world. This is such a difficult thing to do. And now I understand why nine times out of 10, when I ask somebody, how was your birth? They get this really solemn look on their face and they go, it was something. The fact of the matter is this is a traumatic experience, bar none, point blank. It's traumatic on our bodies. It's traumatic on our minds. It is rough. And there are those bitches that have a magical birth where everything went perfectly and they sing and hold hands and light candles. And and I'm so happy for those of you who have had that experience. But so many of the rest of us have had traumatic experiences. And I'm not saying don't have a child because, again, I hardly remember right now, two and a half months later. But I'm just letting you know that women are so fucking strong and so tough. You'll be amazed at what you can do. And spoiler alert, it's all worth it. It was the worst day of my life and it instantly became the best day of my life. So it was looking like little buddy was going to come out. I say, Ben, I need you to pump me up. Put on the most pump me up song that you can on this playlist. And he puts on Sugar We're Going Down. By Fallout Boy, which is again a top five favorite song of all time for me. And I'm like, wow, it would be really powerful if my son came out to this song. My little pop punk king. Go ahead and come out to Fallout Boy. So we're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing. He doesn't come out, but he's so close. The next song that plays is It's Not Unusual by Tom Jones, which, fun fact, is. Maybe my favorite song ever. There's just so much meaning behind the song for me. It's the most happy, cute song ever. But it's a very short song. And I remember it came on and Dr. B's like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Tom Jones. And I'm like, this song is extremely short. I don't think he's going to come out to it, but I'll try. We're trying. We're pushing. We're pushing. We're pushing. The song changes to Two of Us by The Beatles. Two of us is on Let It Be. I'm a huge Beatles fan, if y'all didn't know that. If I had to pick a favorite band, I'm a basic bitch, it would be the Beatles. I am 
huge Beatles fan. The Beatles mean so much to me for so many reasons. My parents got divorced when I was a little kid, and my entire life they've been at odds with each other. One of the only things they agree on in life is that they love the Beatles. I experienced the Beatles through the eyes of my mother, through the eyes of my father, through my young eyes. And I've experienced every, even though the Beatles were only a band for less than a decade, their music and their songbooks evolved so much that you can discover new Beatles in different parts of your life and different stages of your life. I loved the White Album in college. You know, I love the poppy, fun, young Beatles when I was a little kid. Like, they mean so much to me. So the song Two of Us starts playing. And the song is a really cute little song. It's one of the only Beatles songs where Paul and John both sing lead. And they harmonize the entire song together. Other than the bridge, which Paul sings by himself. And it's a song about two people doing all these cute little tasks and then the chorus says, on, on our way back home, we're on our way home. We're going home. And that's the song that was playing when Sandy entered the world. And he shot out at the very end, his whole body shot out. And... I got to have my birth that I wanted. I got to have a vaginal birth. I got to have a birth where he picked when he wanted to come. And I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to share with y'all that I didn't fucking tear at all. My pussy did not tear at all. I had a sunny side up baby, which are known to basically rip you to shreds. And he was eight pounds, 14 ounces, 21 and a half inches long. He was a very big baby and he didn't tear me at all. And now I'm going to insert into this episode some audio footage that Ben took for me. You're going to hear Sandy enter the world. You're going to hear a voice. You're going to hear him talking, the baby. He shot out and immediately screamed. He shot out and immediately cried, which is my boy. And they put him on me. And you're going to hear what I say. The first words my son hears. For his time on this planet. <laughs> he was He was out maybe 30 seconds. And you're going to hear what I said, okay? I also just want to say that there are people speaking on this tape that I didn't explicitly get permission for them to be on the show or to be recorded. So please don't sue me. Also, to the McCartney-Lennon estate, you're going to hear two of us playing in the background. Once again, please don't sue me, okay? If you send me a cease and desist, I will remove it. But until they do, honey, it's better to ask for forgiveness and permission. Here is the footage of my son entering the world. You got it, Dougie. Push hard. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, oh, wow. nine, ten. 
Big breath, push again. So there you have it. One of the first sentences my son hears when he enters the world was me saying, did my pussy rip? I wouldn't have it any other way. And let me tell you something. My pussy didn't rip. And I am so grateful for that. So there you have it. My birth story. Little Sanford Meyer Sheehan was born June 14th, 2022 at 10.19 a.m. After 27 hours of labor and three and a half hours of pushing, he was here. He got to go right onto my skin like I wanted. He was soft like silk chiffon. He was a beautiful mess. And he was my blue heaven midnight crush which is a Betty Who song that was on my labor playlist, which I cry when I hear because the first lines of the song are, Tonight I'm caught in a feeling Can't get you off my mind You're in my body And I just thought, what a perfect song about a baby that's in your body. Literally says in your body. So he'll always be my little blue heaven midnight crush. Which is how I feel about him. And what else is there to really say? It was very hard. Way harder than I imagined it was going to be. Way more painful than I thought it was going to be. But I'm so glad that I was present. Exhausted but fully present. And that all three of my big wants came true. Plus, he was healthy and perfectly fine. So he got to go right on my skin. And he laid there with me as we got to know each other, as he adjusted to the outside world. There's really no appropriate place for me to place an ad, but I'm going to place an ad here. Please stay tuned and support Nedge Butte. Oh, yeah. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 
Oh, yeah. We're back. The baby has been born. The baby's laying on my body. We're getting to know each other. And he's figuring out where the hell he is. He was only on me for 15 minutes or so when he started to kind of root a little bit. And I knew from my breastfeeding class that that was a sign that he was hungry. So I said, oh my God, look, he's rooting, he's rooting. So Bridget helped me as well as one of the nurses. Huntington Hospital is very pro-breastfeeding. So a lot of their nurses are trained in lactation and they also have a lactation consultant on staff to walk around and help. So they helped me. I kind of knew what to do from my class, but they helped guide me. And I got him to latch within 15 minutes of being born. He was suckling my tit. And I was like, this is so awesome. And the nurse said, let him keep sucking. He's going to help your supply come in. He's going to help your supply. And she helped me. And I'll never forget that moment. It was so beautiful. And I'm telling you, it is incredible how instinctive babies are and how incredible our bodies are and how they work and how everything that happens in your birth and to your body is a reason there's a reason and your nipples get really dark and really big and it's so that the baby can see them and find them I mean everything is just incredibly designed and we were off to the races besties complete besties I was so worried that the pitocin or the epidural or all the other things would somehow get in the way of me and him and my mission and it didn't at all so I want everyone out there to not worry about whatever happens in your birth whatever happens your baby's gonna love you and you're gonna love your baby and if shit goes off the rails you're tough and you can handle it and if you prep yourself with the education and the knowledge you'll be able to handle it so That's what I recommend to everybody. Make sure you know what's going on. And again, a doula was so crucial. If the birth plan you had in your head goes off the rails, just know that you're tough as shit. You are tough as shit. And you can handle whatever gets thrown your way. Because I'm telling you, what have I said on Nashville before? You're stronger than you think you are. Take it from me. You're strong as fuck. And your baby's tough as shit too. And everything's going to be okay in the end. It might suck. But I barely even remember that horrific pain now. And that's again. Amnesia's built into the experience. You'll be able to handle it. You're tough as fuck. He's a Gemini born under a full moon. And he has a Leo rising. And, spoiler alert, I've never known a love like this in my whole life. And don't forget, I've had two husbands. I've lived a damn life. I've had a lovely life full of love, full of joy. I've never had a love like this. I'll get more into this in the next episode. I've already been, I've already gone long. There's so much more to tell y'all. So I'm going to save it for a mini-up with Ben and probably another mini-up because I need to answer all y'all's questions because there's postpartum, there's 
so much more to say. It was my absolute joy and honor to share this story with the world. And I just want to say again, shout out to Huntington Hospital and their labor and delivery team. They're incredible. And shout out to my doula, Bridget Quinn, who was so instrumental in my birth and helping me up to that, helping me prep and being so incredible. And shout out to the Epino, the vaginal balloon I was telling y'all about, because that is 100% why I didn't tear. 100%. And thank you to the honeys for listening to this. Tune in next week where we talk about serum and creams. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. I'll see y'all next week. You deserve to be happy. I'm talking to you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. And don't forget to cream your neck and keep your fringe fresh.